You're listening to the Sound Girls Podcast with Daria and Katie. Today's episode features an interview with Bonnie Wilde. Bonnie Wilde is a British-born sound designer and re-recording mixer. As a second-generation audio artist, she remembers little of life before the dub stage. With summers spent at her father's studio, lacing reel-to-reels and examining the art of the mix, she has an innate connection to sound and storytelling. Also an accomplished guitarist, Bonnie graduated from Leeds College of Music in 2003. She was soon working in the post-production sound department at the ITV Leeds Studios, sound editing and mixing primetime UK drama. After chancing it all and starting a new life in San Francisco, Bonnie's dream of working at Skywalker Sound became reality. Since 2012, she has worked on projects ranging from premium television and commercials to documentary and features. Through her work, Bonnie strives to connect with audiences and create authentic, emotional experiences through the art of sound. Let's start at the very beginning of your life. How did you uh, start getting into sound and kind of, you know, find your way to where you are now? Yeah. Uh, so it's kind of a, a, a lifelong thing. My um, my dad was a dubbing mixer in England. He worked for a TV company there. So I'd always been in the studio. I would go to work with my dad quite a lot. I mean, it was really just a childcare issue. So I, you know, <laughs> I'll go to I'll go to work with him. When I was really small, he would like put me in the the machine room, which was you know in in those days very cold, very loud, a lot of mm. film spooling, and I you know I would I would lace up the reel to reels and stuff in there, and cool. sometimes he would you know sit me down with like a, a block and some film and a razor, you know, as a small child. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> it's kind of a a fun environment to be in or he would sit me down and like give me a load of trinograph pencils I can't remember what you call them over here but he'd give me all the trinograph and I would like draw pictures with stuff but I mean I thought it was pretty cool I wasn't really like in the action I was always just like I could like view through the windows to what was actually Mm. going on in the mix room and we were a, a musical family really and so you know I played instruments and actually I, I kind of thought where my career might go would be more into music production and things like that mm-hmm. I studied music technology and all those things so I did music tech and I did art and I kind of thought I would be like maybe more toward the music side of things but kind of the more the more I studied I was like I kind of feel like post sound was still kind of I get maybe it was just because it was a, a more familiar thing, but I definitely I, I, I felt I felt more of an affinity to, toward that kind of thing. And I, I but I did I studied music. I did a, a music degree, and whilst I was doing that, I still did all the the technology, kept up with all the the technology aspects of that. I mean, a, a lot of it was my you know my dad. My dad was like, this is a very unstable like working in post sound. It's a very unstable mm. career, you know he'd gone through like three redundancies, you know, studios get taken over, things like that, you know. It, I mean, yeah. And it is, it's not exactly like the most stable career path, but also neither's been a musician. So that's going to say. So I think it's probably <laughs> worse um, right? for that, honestly. <laughs> um, but when I graduated, I was like, yeah, I still kind of want to, still kind of want to do post-sound. And so I, I had worked at my dad's, 
student when I was like 16 like 15 mm -hmm. 16 I was like a runner and sometimes I would do like the audience things where you help people to their seats because they live studio audiences do stuff like that I would do mm. kind of any any kind of odd jobs that were kicking around there and then when I came to kind of really wanting to get into into working I was ooh, I graduated when I was like 22 or 23 or something my dad had been working for his studios had been taken over so he was working for ITV down south and there was an ITV studios where I was living up north I lived in Leeds and um I was like do you know anyone and dad's like <laughs> <laughs> very very adamant you know it wasn't a fan of nepotism so <laughs> this is like pre-internet as well so I had to just like just did you dig around and become kind of a sleuth like how can I get somebody to like look at my resume you know all those kinds of things and eventually I did get in contact with someone and my dad did know somebody there and so eventually when I'd done all the groundwork myself mm. like and got an interview my dad was like yeah actually I do know that guy I was like oh, it, it, it oh was, that's it just me a... <laughs> but it's a good movie character building part. yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe but the nepotism is how you get a job in this industry I, I love nepotism <laughs> I wish I had some of that <laughs> and I get it it's like he'd be like and I, I mean, I still say this to people now, unless you don't really want to do it, like don't do it because it takes over your whole life. Mm. So, you know, the, I think the first stage of that is like really trying to figure out like how on earth you're going to like get through the door. And um, I took a job there again as a runner. I was a runner in the picture department, which is just a lot of tea and coffee making. And actually I, mm. I started in the picture department and just kind of had to like bluff it. It's like, do you know how to digitize brushes? I was like, mm-hmm sure <laughs> i've never seen an avid before oh my god and you can google anything at the time as well. like, you you're a really good actor <laughs> they show you how to do it so it's like okay i'm pretty good at like picking stuff up so and you know all good it still did appeal to all these things which is like heavy organization making sure everything's in the right place you know all those kinds of things mm. and then a, a job did come up in the sound department and they knew they knew that's what i wanted to do so eventually I got a job there after like six months or something. This is a very long story. Oh, no. Very I sorry. love it. it. We asked you to cover your whole life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> love this. Keep going. <laughs> and so uh, then I, I, I worked at those studios for, I think, seven years. And I was like officially um, an assistant there. And so I, you know, I was a tech and everything, but I learned how to cut. And I learned how to mix during my time there. We worked on dramas and documentaries. So that was a really, mm. it was a really good place to just like learn a lot of things. Our department was, I'm going to say like nine people. And there was four or five women working in that department. Nice. Sounds crazy, but like a super safe place. It was just, re it was really good. You could actually like try stuff out, make mistakes. No one cares. You, you know, you move on, you do something else, you try something else. And Mix wise, I learned a lot. Like Adam Severs, I was I was like kind of primarily his assistant for most of that time. He was a great mixer, taught me so much. Like everyone there was very willing to kind of share everything they knew and teach you. And um, our department did close. My dad was right. I got made redundant. Our department did close. Mm. But by that point, uh, you know, I was kind of confident enough and had kind of you know like enough credits to be like, okay, well, I'll be a, a freelance editor and mixer. And I knew, I knew I wanted to work at Skywalker, which was a like a ridiculous kind of plan that I'd made. Like hmm. I know what I want to do. 
<laughs> this dumb thing. So I just kind of really like focused on mainly working to support myself, you know, as you have to do. Yeah. But always with this in, in the back of my mind, like, how am I going to do that? And um, I remember talking to one of the guys who was working somewhere else and he was talking to me. He's like, do you have a plan? You know, do you have like a five-year plan or whatever? And I was like, yeah, I do. I want to go work at Time for Sound. He was like, you need a better plan than that. I don't know. I see it, it worked out. So. And I was like, well, if I make another plan, then I won't follow through on this plan, which is the actual plan I want to pursue. So I will continue to pursue this plan and sure other things will happen on the way. But this is where I want to end up. And ridiculously mm. enough, I did move. And like meant I had a really good resume when I did actually manage to kind of talk to some people mm. at Skywalker. That was really good because they have DFCs at Skywalker and they were looking for techs and stuff like that. And so mm. I did, I mean, I kind of started again, I tech, I assist, mm. and then, you know, I cut and then um, mixed. I mean, like everyone at, at Skywalker, you just kind of have to find your groove and work on something and then, you know, kind of mm-hmm. figure out how to work on your next thing and your next thing and kind of build up. I was super, super lucky because I, um, the kind of the, fir- the first editorial job I got there uh, was on Star Wars Rebels and Matt Wood and Dave Acord hired me because they were like, we heard you like can work on TV. Can you cut effects and, and, and do that? And I was like, yeah, oh my God, yeah, I can. I did. That's what I used to do. Mm. Um, luckily, it, it just really worked out. You know, it was a really good fit for a start with Matt and Dave and Dave Filoni, who was the showrunner. It was great. I worked on like three series of Star Wars Rebels. And like a bunch of other things that Matt and Dave worked on, they would hire me. So I, I worked a lot. And again, when you work on shows like that, it's a lot of edit time. It's a lot of mix time. It's a lot of client time. Even things like you you learn the library so well. So you, you kind of mm-hmm. just by default kind of become a bit of an asset. Do you know what I mean? And so then when they were staffing The Last Jedi, they're like, well, Bonnie's been cutting. She knows all the library. She knows everything. Mm-hmm. And so that was kind of like my first big feature work was to be the you know one of the effects editors on on the Last Jedi, which was incredibly cool. Yeah, you learn so much working on a movie like that as well. We had time, then you can kind of go a little bit further as well. Mm. So it was great. I worked with Ren Kleiss, the designer on that, and he's a genius so you know it was <laughs> incredible Ryan was such a great director as well so being on the stage with him you know he could really articulate what he what he wanted when you're working with people like that th- there is also that kind of license of like okay I'm just going to try something because I feel like it's what you want and you can kind of step out of the box a little bit and know that it's not going to be like mm-hmm. this big disaster if you don't hit the mark like first time yeah, I've been very lucky with who I've worked with. And then even luckier that then they made The Mandalorian and Dave Filoni was like, well, more Bonnie to do it. I'm like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> wow. That was a whole, a whole adventure itself, I think. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I was reading, of course, that you, from this library, I guess there's this kind of concept of um, keeping it Star Wars-y, the palette of Star Wars, but then expanding. So, like, how do you go about doing that? Primarily, you know, we have um, a sound designer on each kind of, like, new 
piece of like Star Wars property that, that comes up. And so they'll make like a new palette and kind of depending on what the director or the showrunner is after, there's a lot of direction as to what that palette should be. Depends a lot as well, like at what time in the galaxy it's taking place, you know, because mm. we, we look a lot around like where we are in the timeline. So like for the Mandalorian, we're like after the originals, but before the sequels, I guess, you know, so we kind of, we look at how everything is sounding around that, you know, to kind of keep it consistent. Mm-hmm. What characters are linked to, to other characters as well as to things you kind of might take as inspiration. So for series one of The Mandalorian, I was the effects editor as well. So then you kind of take the new palette and then you've got, you know, a huge kind of a legacy library as well to, to build from. And that's how you kind of keep it grounded in Star Wars. And then the new stuff kind of weaves into it to give it its own new character because you you know you wanna you want it to be new and exciting and you want to be introducing new elements and you want to give the characters that are new their own identity with the, with these sounds as well and their own kind of signature thing and that itself like the Mandalorian's pretty much almost legacy now being an effects editor on on shows like that is a it's a fun thing and you, you're always kind of looking for like little Easter egg things as as well you're like where can I sneak in like this thing or (laughs) (laughs) Dave is really good as well at at knowing when to stop he's (laughs) (laughs) you know if you're kind of always pulling yourself toward like too much legacy you're going to start thinking about other other moments and kind of being like emotionally taken out of the story that you're telling so he's always Mm -hmm. he's really good in those moments just to keep it you know keeps us on track (laughs) So is there like a little moment that you're like, this this sound Easter egg is just, it delights me? I have my own little things that, that I sneak in, but generally on everything I work on, there's like a particular like metal wobble that I love, that I will put like, it's coming off of Captain Marvel's ship, <laughs> coming off on like, you know, <laughs> the, uh, Falcon, like pulling a door off, you know, it's like. That's amazing. things that I like to just i'm like i know yeah i'll look look out for that next time i'm watching anything bonnie who's your favorite um star wars character well i am very keen on the fish woman from the mandalorian episode three series two because i voiced crazy fish woman (laughs) the one the (laughs) The mechanic i'm like the mechanic of the port it's unrecognized it doesn't sound Uh... like me it sounds like me doing a more calamari voice it's crazy but no uh I think I have probably quite a few favourites, to be honest, because I've been alive for so long. Like you, you kind of like <laughs> go through different things. Like when I was a kid, I loved R two D two, and I loved the Ewoks. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! <laughs> but then, I mean, I really do have obviously a huge fondness for also the Mandalorian. And baby Yoda. Yeah. And you, you voice other characters too, right? Like you you sneak your voice in there. This is always what happens. Several things get tried and then they're like, oh, maybe it would be cool if it was just like a different accent. And then Matt, Matt would, because, you know, will always be like, well, I feel like you're going to, you're going to have to, you're, you're going to have to try something. I'm like, oh, I'm not going to do it when everyone's here. Like I'll do it when <laughs> in the privacy of my own booth. Yeah. Where even I can't see myself and can't hear myself. And then I'll try doing something that's 
that's usually what happens. And I'm fine with that. I will quite happily be last resort. Mm. So it kind of worked. And then we played it. And like we said, it was me. But I, th- I think uh, <laughs> Favreau missed that part of it where it said it was me. So, you know, we listened to some stuff and they're like, okay, yeah, this works, this works. And Favreau was like, this is cool, but this line should just be a bit different. And he was talking about how he wanted the line read a bit differently. And he's like, if we could go back and get them to do it just like this. And he was talking to him, it's like, Matt, can you, you know, will they come in or whatever? And Matt's like, it's Bonnie. <laughs> and he was like, oh my God. <laughs> he was like, I'm sorry, I, I missed that. But we we're like, okay, well, that's good because you didn't know it was me and you're still happy with it. But then he was like, okay, so just read it like this. He was like, just record it now. And I was like, wait, wait, well, we were in the, we were mid mix and everyone was hooked up to the, the Zoom and stuff. And I was like, oh, whoa, 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 no, this is terrible. And so I was like, well, can I, I'll just like mute everything. And, and they're like, no, 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 we want to hear you perform it so we can tell you. I was like, oh, that also does make sense. <laughs> All these things make sense. I know they make sense. And this is the correct way to do it, but this is terrible. So I just made everyone mute the, the actual like videos. I was like, okay, everyone just like mute the video and I'll mute my video and pretend I don't exist. And I, I could, I could do it. And then we could, we could move on from fish lady. <laughs> but I, I forget now. So I remember w- watching it when it was on air. Cause oh, I mean, I do watch everything I mix over and over and over again on the TV, like not to enjoy it, but yeah. to listen to everything <laughs> that I could have done better or that I did wrong or like, you know oh <laughs> I watched that and I kind of forgot that that was me and afterwards I was like oh yeah I was especially I forgot about that oh yeah so do you ever get to enjoy anything uh that you work on at all no I mean like oh uh, I'll, like <laughs> well they're really good I'll, I'll, I'll you know they're very good <laughs> like I still feel pride in like what we do but the listening environments are so different so it's also kind of just like technically I'm always trying to to make sure that like how I'm mixing is actually being replicated in, in the real world. So it's, there's a lot of like, mm-hmm. like figuring out how things translate still, especially, you know, this, the streaming is kind of like relatively new, you know, we kind of new, the specs usually as well adjust a little bit, you know, we're still kind of doing that. So how I mixed season one is different to how I mix season two, even like technically just to, to spec and stuff like that. So there, there is a lot of kind of like obsessively listening to stuff and being like, how does it translate? How am I down mixing? Am I doing it like the best I, the best I can be doing it? Basically, I kind of just think of it as it's just still, it's still like learning and like fine tuning and things. You know, I don't think I'll ever get to the point where I'll be like, I did a great job of that. Uh, well done. You got nothing mm-hmm. to learn. Move on. There's always large you know there's large areas of improvement to be made like all the, all the time this keeps happening our last interviewee emmy winner double i think was exactly the same she's like ah, but by emmy too i think oh yeah i started to maybe think i can do my job <laughs> <laughs> i love it no it's so mm-hmm. human um okay your your speech was not online um i couldn't find it i, I love watching you, you did a speech no it is a hot mess it's a hot mess <laughs> how did you feel were you just like did your brain turn on fire I uh I, w- I mean I was very nervous because like last last year was so different you know we kind of pre-recorded these hey I've won and you just had to do that whether you knew you'd won or not 
So, they, you know, they just had mm-hmm. a bank of like, yay, I've won. Right. So like this year, like, you know, even when we f- flew down in the morning, I was really like nervous, but I, di- I, re- I didn't think we were going to win. I thought, oh, we did so well last year. Like the sound really got like a lot of attention last year and, mm-hmm. and that was really cool. And I was like, I, it's someone else, you know, someone else's turn this year. There's some really great stuff. And so I'm not too like worried about, about all that. I can just go chill out and, you know, enjoy it. And as, as it kind of progressed, the Mandalorian was like still winning things. I was like, oh, it's still winning stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And obviously like you want to, it's not that you, it's not that I didn't, you know, I really wanted yeah. to win. We worked really hard. And also like for Steven, I want to win for Steven as well. Like, you know, because we both worked super hard on that, on that show. And like, honestly, we had such a great time like season two of the Mandalorian was was great it was a lot of work it was really busy and it was difficult still but in terms of everyone that you're working with and the like environment that you create for each other it was incredible and I really do think that the second season of the Mandalorian just sounded it did sound really like I'm really proud of it 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 did sound really good the the editorial crew did an incredible job the dialogue like everyone did an incredible job you know on that Season one, a lot of the time, is just like, in basic terms, what do we want it to sound like, rather than like, you know, you get to season two and you're like, oh, well, we know in basic terms what this is going to sound like. Now we can like focus on like other things. And, mm-hmm. and season two really was like that. And, you know, obviously I'd hoped, I was like, oh, it'd be really cool, but I don't think we will. But then when when it happened, also Stephen was like, you should talk if we win. And I was like, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> it was difficult to get any words out mm. and then by the time I got to like thanking Matt and Dave it was like tears were like gonna break through I was like oh, no, so but it, it was it was good well, maybe next time next time wow. Stephen should talk season three I was like, I'm not doing that again <laughs> well congrats I mean it's super legendary yeah. I mean Maybe it's overwhelming mm. in the moment, but yeah. And Lily will be like, "So wait, what? You know, older one. So what's an Oscar? When are you gonna? Are you gonna win an Oscar? Because like that seems like I'm like, whoa, whoa. These are not <laughs> normal things. <laughs> wow. So they're not interested in sound, eh? They're not. They don't come to the office. It's not gonna be a third yeah. generation sound family. I suspect not. But that's oh. fine. They're not particularly into Star Wars or like anything like that. They're quite yeah, mm. but they are who they are maybe as they get older I mean I think it's particularly because I'm their parent so absolutely not cool in any way and I'm into Star Wars and the guitar and the sounds <laughs> so they're like that's lame that's what mm. parents do did you not think about you that about your dad or did you think your dad was cool and you were a kid I mean he was very embarrassing but <laughs> it felt like he had a cool job like especially as the, stu- the studios yeah. were like working studios and stuff was being shot Mm -hmm. there so like tv was being made like if i worked on a film set i imagine it would be a very different scenario like if i was on Uh... a lot but you know we i i mean skywalker i mean i think it's the coolest thing ever you know it's skywalker ranch but they're just like it's a building with a bunch of nerds in it i'm like "Mm, yeah (laughs) that's why it's great (laughs) (laughs) well it's true so how how do you feel like you actually achieved your goal. Your Fiverr plan, boom, nailed it. I mean, it, it's still like, don't take it for gra- for granted. Do you, do you know what I mean? I'm still like, this is 
absolutely what I wanted to be doing. And um, I know like at lunch times up there, you know, sometimes I remember having a conversation with one of the guys and he was like, if you could live anywhere or work anywhere, what would that look like? Mm. And I was like, uh, I would live here and work here. That's the point of it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, he's like, really? I was like, yeah. So yeah, definitely focus on what you want to do. And if you're like, I want to live somewhere mm. else. It's not like an easy thing that you can just up and do. But, you you know, if you kind of head toward, if you're trying to head towards something all the time, I don't know, for me, I find that that helps. I mean, even now, it's like, it's. I don't feel like the, the, the journey's over. I mean, I definitely want to die up there, slumped over a console. That's my plan. <laughs> but like... <laughs> you know there's still a there's still a plan within that it's like okay well I want to I want to work on features I want to you know I want to do certain things or I want to work with certain people I want to of course I want to win an Oscar you know I know people go on about like that but of course I want to yeah and I I I think it's as well being being a woman is is a very different thing I know a lot you know a lot of the guys will be like oh awards aren't important and I'm like they kind of are though for me like you know you Mm. if you're a slight outsider in something then it is nice to feel like you get recognition yeah like it just it just kind of is it is nice (laughs) yeah because it's not well you know it's not always it isn't always like that you know it historically hasn't been it still isn't I mean it's rarer now I guess you know it's not such a you know when I was studying when I was doing music tech, my tutors just said the words, nobody wants to see a woman at the console. I mean, there's just things that got talked about. Like it was just like a normal thing, like, or like someone would walk, I would be having a guitar lesson and they'd walk in and just be like, it's weird seeing a woman play guitar. I'm like, well, it's weird for you. Please leave. Like, I mean, you know, it, this was, the, this was the nineties though. Like the women got treated pretty disgustingly during the nineties, you know? Yeah. So it does, you know, it does feel nice to receive stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to be like, oh, you know, like, no, it does, does feel nice. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's awesome. It's awesome to see. Like, it's just, it's so exciting. I like what women winning Oscars, mm-hmm. Emmys and stuff in sound and like uh, underrepresented yeah. crafts. It feels really good. So, yeah, I mean, we do. I know, like, I know when, when all the nominations go up, I like fastidiously go through everything, like, what are the demographics of all these things like am I doing a good enough job because like I was a supervisor on Falcon and the Winter Soldier so it's like am I doing a good enough job like am I hiring the best I can hire and it's usually like no honestly Mm -hmm. like no everyone's still got so much work to do getting people of color into the industry it's like a whole you know we need to focus on how to do that and it's like for the longest time everyone would just be like well it's very difficult or you know stuff like that and it's like it doesn't matter it needs to be figured out it isn't that people don't want to do these jobs it isn't that there aren't people out there to do these jobs it's that people feel pushed out from doing these jobs and you know until people are gonna be Mm -hmm. honest about what stuff is no one's gonna get anywhere so it you know it's about everyone just doing better everyone just has to do better (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> this has been honestly so much fun. My face is like sore in these regions. <laughs> so you're a delight and and you gave us so much good oh, yeah. like insider 
information. I'm going to be watching The Mandalorian in the next couple of weeks <laughs> with my ears wide open. It's going to be my favorite Star Wars anything, The Mandalorian. And uh, from the moment I started watching it, it was just like, it just sounds amazing in like in every aspect. Thank you. It was a lot of, a lot of people's sweat in mm. that series. So that's good yeah. to hear. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for coming to the interview. Are we... Um... Yeah. <laughs> What's your final... <laughs> No, I would say for any people, women looking to to work in in, in this business, it's go. You just got to go at it, man. Go at it. Email people. Email mm. me. Like I don't care. I respond to to people when they when they reach out. Like for sure. Mostly, I think honestly, um, women like working in the industry and have been working in the industry a lot mm. are wanting. They're wanting young women to reach out to them for advice for guidance and for anything like that because that's why we do it and we want to we want to give back like we're, we're looking for mm -hmm. a lazy opportunity to give back if somebody emails you know just to know that like there are doors you know there are doors and mm -hmm. we are kind of busy a, a lot of the time so it's nice when somebody reaches out and they're like hey how could I do this? Or I'm interested in this, or I'm at this point, how could I move forward and, and things like that? There's, there's a lot of us that will listen and like want to be involved. So just look me up Twitter, like wherever. What's that other one? LinkedIn. Yeah. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much I for will. responding to like, me. I will. Like, I really I appreciate will it. it. <laughs> she it's will. almost like a threat. I will. I will reply. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much, buddy. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Sound Girls podcast. Visit soundgirls.org for more information. The first annual Sound Girls virtual conference is coming up December 4th and 5th. Two days of sessions in post-production, live sound, recording arts, film and TV sound, broadcast, and more. Plenty of networking and mentoring opportunities. For more information on the Sound Girls virtual conference, check out the events tab at soundgirls.org. And if you need financial assistance to attend the event, please let us know by emailing soundgirls at soundgirls.org. Grab your tickets today. See you there. Looking for more audio-related podcasts to listen to? We're part of the Audio Podcast Alliance. Be sure to check out what our friends in the podcasting community have in store for you at audiopodcast.org. Dot org.